All right, good morning, everyone. Let's go ahead and get started. Okay. And as we do, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father in heaven, thank you for a time to be with your people. Thank you for the gift of Sunday morning. Amen. How we can gather with your people and study your word. Thank you for your spirit that is among us. And thank you for the word that is in front of us. And we'd like you to teach us now, in Jesus' name. As we left off last week, we were at the end of 1 John. And looking at just some of the unique blessings that come from this book. You know, each of these gifts that God gives us. These 66 books of the Bible, 27 of the New Testament. We would be missing things in our theology if we didn't have all of these books. And so, we have this defense of Jesus as the Christ. We talked about that last week, how the opponents of the gospel talked about the, the Jesus of history and Christ as the Messiah. But John makes very clear that they are one and the same person. Uh, he is the Christ. Christ is Jesus. Fully God, fully man, one person forever. Shows the right attitude, a strong link between right doctrine, right behavior, and right attitudes. Actually very similar to what we saw in, in the Matthew 5 this morning. Uh, and then encouragement of eternal life. It is not the case that the tradition that I was raised in said that it is the sin of presumption to say that we can have assurance of our salvation. And I appreciate the same thing. Huh? Oh, just Amy should say the same thing. Yeah, and it it's only the sin of presumption that God has not said. But since God has spoken on the issue of words we believe what God has said, it is not the sin of presumption. It would actually be the opposite. It would be the assurance of faith, and it would actually be presumptuous to say, well, God didn't know what he was saying. We can't take him at his word. So when I when the Lord worked in my life and gave me the new birth and brought me to Christ, and I just confessed to His Lord and just loved and had this traumatic encounter with Him. I've never doubted God's presence since then. Because it was obvious that it was Him working in my life. And so I can go to places like 1 John. He who has the Son has the life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have the life. These things I have written to you. I'll pass them on just a moment, okay? These things I have written to you that you may know that you have eternal life. Those who believe in the name of the Son of God. We can take that. When God gives the promise, He wants us to take Him at His word. And so if I'm dealing in a counseling room with people that are struggling about their sin and... and but they think, oh, I know I'm saved. I'll take them to First John, but we'll look at the tests. We talked about that in a previous slide. The, the moral tests, the theological tests, the community tests. That we shouldn't be abiding in sin and rebellion if we're a Christian. But if someone uh, is just trying to understand what is the gospel, I might go to the book of Galatians or go to the book of Romans. If someone is struggling with other people in the church, it would be, well, like we have things in 1 Corinthians. We have a teachings on how Christians are reconciled here along with one another. But 1 John is written that we may know. Okay? And so we won't go anymore because I hope to finish 2 and 3 John today before the end of our time because I need to tell you what's coming in the next few weeks. Next week, I will not be with you because our middle son, Nathan, is graduating from university. Oh my. So we're taking off to South Virginia to be with him. There's activities Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And so we were not coming back to Sunday for Pastor Brian will be in the pulpit. Uh, I will miss you, but I'm excited. Finally, all my kids are from university. And so that little dancing noise you hear in the background is my wallet singing. <laughs> Because we finally got to that stage. Um, and then two weeks from today, we have our family meeting, congregational meeting. We're going to be doing visits to the church and talking about the Constitution and, and just getting reports on ministry, so it won't be then. Then three weeks from today, we have our all-church picnic. And so we'll be gathering for a time of picnicking, barbecuing, and games after the morning service in Hammond Park. There'll be a whole series of activities. It'll be an opportunity for us to fellowship together. We're inviting Oroville Christian School, and so we'll have a number of folks with their kids 
and from our school community with us and a great opportunity for us to connect with them. So that means the next time we'll meet, Lord willing, will be Memorial Day weekend. So we need to get through second and third John today, so I don't need to hang it over a few weeks. Is there questions? Okay. Be wise. <laughs> All right. So let's go ahead and move on. Let's take a look at second John. And uh, let's see, the pastor back behind there. I can get the leader. And it's a copy here. It's okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The second official of John. All right. And these are short little letters, but they still have great things they can teach us in just a few verses. Um, in second John, so go ahead and advance our slide here. <coughs> We know it's the Apostle John. There's still some problems with false teachers that's going on. Of course, he, he wrote all three of these letters at about the same time. In the early 90s, probably. Some people would say maybe as early as 70 AD. That's fine. But in any case, we know that there's still problems in the church with false teachers. And most of the church history even tells us that it's the same author as John 1. And by now we know the two. And there are those scholars that want to call into question every book of the New Testament, every traditional teaching of the church. Was it really John the Apostle? Um, but really we, we think it is the same because look at the similarities. The same situation. They call false teachers antichrists. The importance of loving one another and of walking in the truth. And we hear John the Elder, who is also John the Apostle, express a great deal of love and affection for these people, even in just a few verses. Um, but leads to the question then. So I'd like to have a couple of you read what you have as verse 1 in 2 John. Tell me the version that you have, the translation, and then what you have written in verse 1. New King James, um, the elder, to the elect lady and her children, my love in truth, and not only I, but also all those who have known the truth, because of the truth which abides in us and will be with us forever. Okay. That's uh, New King James. Does anyone have something different? Yeah. ESV, the elder to the elect lady and her children, whom I love in truth, and not only I, but also... All who know the truth, because of the truth that abides in us and will be with us forever. Okay, very similar. Does anyone have anything different? Uh, New American Standard? Huh? New American Standard. New American Standard. What does New American Standard say? The elder to the chosen ladies and her children, whom I love in truth. And not only I, but also all who know the truth. Okay. Same. Same. Chosen instead of elect. Christine, you have something different? Same. 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 I, uh, I could, uh, I went on my app, I could read the New Living Translation. Okay. <laughs> this letter is from John, the elder. I am writing to the chosen lady and her children, whom I love in the truth, as does everyone else who knows the truth, because the truth that suffers has Okay, the reason why I'm kind of drawing a little bit of attention to that is there's been some confusion in some of the early English translations. Uh, because there is a word here for chosen or elect, but some translations have said that's the name of the person to whom he is writing. So some of the earlier English translations, they say to the lady electa and to her children. But the word is, it's, a, it's an action, an adverb, I guess you would say. It's a ch to the chosen lady, to the elect lady, to, well, I forget what the living translation said. And that's the correct way of looking at it, okay? To the chosen lady and her children. So, some understand and say, no, it's written to a particular lady named Electa. But I don't know why they've given her a personal name here when it's clearly writing to a church, okay? Um, but then the question is, he's writing to the church, to the elect lady and her children. But is he writing to the church writ large, or is he writing to a local church? And there is room for discussion here, but it seems that given the context of the letter that he's writing to a local church, 
um, to a specific church that he has in mind and to the members of that church. And look at how he, he addresses them. Whom I love in truth, and not only I, but also all who know the truth, because of the truth that abides in us, will be with us forever. So already we see love, truth, and abiding. Okay, so those three words should cause us to think of the Gospel of John, because they're, they're so meant so many times in the Gospel of John, which gives evidence that we have the same author here, one who paid very close attention to the words of Jesus. One of the exciting things we believe is just that this is God's Word. All of it. Every word. You know, we, we believe not only in sola scriptura, which means the scripture alone is our authority, and we believe in, we also believe in tota scriptura. All of the scriptures. That God doesn't waste any words. That God, every word that God has given, He intended for us to be to learn from. So He's writing to this church. And he, he's, he's calling them chosen. He's calling them loved. He says they're abiding in the truth and reunited with them. And he wants to warn them then about what, what's happening. So as we move along then, we see about 95 AD. We're just guessing. We're not, it's early, it seems like in the early 90s when he wrote. I think he wrote 1st, 2nd, 3rd John and the book of Revelation all about the same time. Or at least in the same period. <coughs> But there are those that think it could be earlier. I'm okay with thinking it's earlier. We're just looking at what the exact content is. And so he's probably writing from Ephesus, where he wrote his other letters. And very simple structure. Of course, it's a very simple letter. And yet it's, it's full, of, full of good meaning. Uh, just the greeting. We don't, we don't talk to each other in these terms, but in verse 3, grace, mercy, and peace will be with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ the Father's Son in truth and love. So in two verses you have grace, mercy, peace, truth, and love bound in with God the Father and God the Son. He summarizes the gospel in a very clever way in just these two verses. If you look at the definition of grace, you look at the definition of mercy, of peace, of truth, and of love, the fullness of God manifested in Christ, God the Father and God the Son. So what would be a teaching outline? Well, he's greeting them, which he does. But even in his greetings, he's teaching. And now he says, look, truth and love need to be together. So walk in love and truth. Um, and that becomes a challenge for us, doesn't it? We tend to pit these against each other. Or we tend to pit grace and truth against each other. Are you more towards grace or are you more towards truth? Well, if we're going more towards Christ, we're in both. Well, are you more towards love or are you more towards truth? Well, if we're in Christ, we're going to be closer to both. They're not at odds with each other. Christ is the fulfillment of truth. He's the fulfillment of, of love, of grace, of mercy. And as we grow in Christ, we grow in all of those things. But it's hard for us because in our personalities, we tend to gravitate towards one or the other. Okay? And I think we would agree that if we were to put ourselves on a grid, we might grade ourselves really high on one, but maybe not as high on the other. And that's where we see where our areas of growth is needed. That's where we need the community. You know, we need the community to help us. Okay? And then he warns them about deceivers that are out there to guard the truth about Jesus Christ. So verse 7. For many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. Such a one is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch yourselves, so you may not lose what we have worked for, but may win a full reward. Everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. He's telling these truths about Jesus. He's saying, if you don't abide, you're not with us. John's very black and white, right? Very, it's either this or it's this. But he's warning his people. And when we see for many deceivers have gone out into the world, it, it always is amazing to me how we want to deny that there are false teachers today, or deceivers today. There are. And so we have the courage to call them out. We have the courage to point out their false teachings. Are we willing to say that this is wrong and this is right? Are we willing to, particularly when we're in a relationship with another believer and we find out that they're following such and such and so and so, that it's false and a false teacher, are we willing to come alongside them and say, friend, pay attention. 
move away from this teacher. Because in the medical realm, if I knew my neighbor was taking a spoonful of poison, I wouldn't just say, well, that's his business, you know. He can take whatever he wants. Take the right medicine, not the poison. But somehow when it comes to the spiritual realm, oh, I don't know, I'm, I'm afraid. And yet, what did he talk about? Grace, mercy, peace, truth, and love. Walk in love, walk in truth, have them both together. <laughs> he, he doesn't want to let us off the hook. Okay? Um... So, what doctrines then is it the doctrine of love and grace and peace that you can call it on? I'm saying there's other doctrines that come along that don't mix so with what the truth is, right? So, so in a pretty strong words here, he said, he that by not, uh, don't let him into the house and don't bid him God's feet. Pretty plain. Yeah, don't bless him. Don't, don't. As, as it were, don't say we're in fellowship with one another, right? Now, how are we to understand that verse? Because that's, if any, verse 10, if anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting. Whoever greets him takes part in his wicked works. What is the context here? Is it my personal living room that he's referring to here? It's a church. It's the church. So, in the church, this is why I love the elders and pastors of this church. They guard the pulpit carefully. They're not going to allow just anyone to come in and start spreading whatever they want to spread. No, it's the pulpit, not the congregation. What's that? It's the pulpit we're guarding. Yeah. Not those that are coming in with different... But if we hear about it, right, then we take action on it. But we're not allowing them to come in and have a word from the Lord. Oh, why don't you give us your word of the Lord? You know, we're discerning everything that's being brought in. But if, in my personal life, and I can't say it's happened that often, certainly in the States it hasn't happened, it happened more overseas. When the Jehovah's Witnesses show up at my door, I let them in. Am I violating Second John? No, because I'm trying to give them the gospel. I'm going to the Greek. I'm showing that they're mistaken, that they need to know who Jesus Christ is. And I'm trying to evangelize them. They come to my doorstep. I'm trying to evangelize them. But I don't let them teach my children. I don't let them. I don't invite them to Bible study in the church. I don't give them an opportunity to preach and teach the sheep that are under my, under my charge. Okay? So we should always be ready to give an answer, right? For the hope that is within us, evangelism, discipleship, teaching the word. But here's the context I'm writing to this church. Keep them out of the church. So the challenge becomes then in today's age where everybody has a television, satellite, internet, smartphone. They can get all kind of ideas from just about anywhere. How do we help our people discern what is truth and what is not? And how do we watch over one another? And that's, you know, in a very autonomous, individualistic, I do what I want kind of culture, which is what we were raised in. It's, it's the other side of the strength. So the strength is we want people to make good decisions, to, to use their gifts and talents, to make something of themselves. That's, that's a good part of that tradition. But the other side of it is we ignore the fact that none of us is an island in himself. And we need that community correction that comes. We need those that come alongside us and say, ah, 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 be careful now. Okay? Um, because at the end of the day, there is no self-made man. Not in the church. In the church, we are God-made men. He's the one that's working in our lives and binding us together as a family. So in the church, you have to be careful. But... And this is uh, why uh, you have wanted to put together a more active Christian Ed Committee to right. look at all the material. Right. Yeah. Something that we're working on because at least those in the official ministries of the church, you're right. What's being taught in our name? What's being taught in our properties? What's being taught so that we have an understanding because ultimately I'm accountable before God and what's going on? Me and the elders. And if I'm just being lazy about that, then I'm guilty before God and not protecting the sheep. That's Paul's attitude. Uh, sorry, John's attitude. Okay. Uh, you know, there's so much going on, like I said, out there. Uh, you're going on with Jim's, Jim's point of view a little bit there on calling it out. You, you think you think the church needs to be more active in 
in calling out those things you're seeing on TV or those things that are being published and uh, be more direct uh, to warn the flock about those things that somehow, because um, it's just, like you said, you get into it on so many levels, everything right. out there, so much of that, and it's pretty popular, and it's... So this is why we need the community of believers, because on the one hand, there's the danger of saying, I'm just not going to get involved, I'm not going to say anything, I'll just pray for them and trust the Lord to lead them on the path of truth. That's one tendency that sounds good, but we need to avoid the other one is, I'm going to be the self-appointed guardian of truth that's going to go around and navel-gaze at everybody and discern truth from error and everything that they're doing, and I will be the one that comes down on them. Okay? You see the tendencies? That's what we need the community of saints. Well, somebody, I don't know, on CBS the other day, there was like three commercials of um, Jesus um, things. It was just like Something new that's going on. Yeah. So they're starting to put it on. Spiritual yeah. things are Sorry, I couldn't say that, but yeah. I was like, what? And then it came on again, and they're different ones. They're not all the same. And it shows um, people trying to understand, I guess. I don't know. But somebody got a hold of something. Sure, well, there's a lot of voices out. Mm -hmm. And some of them are good. And some of them we can encourage our people to fall. And others, maybe not so much, and others to avoid it needs to be kind of an ongoing vigilance. I mean, I try to do some of that in a Sunday morning sermon. We'll point out some <coughs> things that's going on. But I also want people to fall in love with the truth. As they recognize and love the truth, they're going to be discerning that some of the errors are. But in private conversations and text messages or uh, the videos that we share, we be careful that we properly screen them ourselves and we understand that they are actually worth sharing, that there's there's truth contained therein, that there's not something that would mislead them, mislead whoever receives it. Um, because those are the two main themes. Walk in love, which means truth, which means grace, which means mercy, and avoid false teachers. So there are times we've got to call out. This is, I'm sorry, this is our own teacher. You need to stop following this person. Um, this is a wrong idea of the gospel. This is a wrong expectation. Yeah. In, the, in verse 7 it says, I say this because many deceivers have gone out in the world. They deny that Jesus Christ came in a real body. Yeah. That person is a deceiver and an antichrist. Right. There's, there's more to that. Though. It's not only that Christ came in a human body, but the wages of sin is death. His death was the satisfies the need for salvation, and that's part of it. That's right. So what does it mean when he comes in the flesh? It's that he was God in all that he was to do all that he came to do. It's not just a matter of, because frankly, just in the, the absolute letter of the law, Jehovah's Witnesses would say Jesus came in the flesh and completely missed the gospel, as you so well pointed out. What does it mean that Jesus Christ came in the flesh? The eternal word. The divine being, God Himself, became flesh. But the fullness of God, the fullness of man, one person. Yeah. So it's, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> uh, over the years I shared, uh, it's, it's come to be known the four spiritual laws with a whole bunch of people. And there are certain sects, Mormons among them, that could agree with every word in the four spiritual laws. So it's not enough just to give the right words. It's what's behind the word. What is the definition? What is the fullness of the meaning of the words? And he helped us understand that. To make sure we understand what is it that John is saying. Okay, good idea. Good thought. Okay. Are we... Boy, it, it just... You're not going to get through this. If this this really is... I'll, I'll quit. No, uh, it's it's going to be really hard to get through John today <laughs> with what we're dealing with here and answering the question. So... It's all right. Well, go ahead. Let's, let's go ahead. Well, it, it's, if we don't get through, we don't get through. It's not like we're going to miss out. You know, completely. If any come to you and bring not the doctrine, it's pretty plain, right? Yeah. Receive him not in your house. Okay, that's the church. Yeah. Uh, or not your own house. Neither right. bid him God speak. Right. That whosoever doeth that is not of God. Yeah. I mean, that doesn't do that is not of God. It's, it's really. Plain. Right. It's simple. 
Don't mess. Be careful. Okay. That's all. No, you're exactly right. So now what what, what does that look like? Play out? Yeah. So, you know, I mean, off the record, you ask me personally, I'd say, you, you, your life would be well served if you never watched another Christian television program in your life. Amen. Just stick to the word and good teachers. Okay, because most of what is on Christian television doesn't pass theological muster. Right. Okay? So do I need to spend my time trying to find a few that are good on certain satellite networks? No. I just avoid that satellite network. And I look for those sites and those places that I know are teaching sound theology, good doctrine. So let me, let me just, I would bring it down to brass tacks. My wife shared with me just a wonderful story. In fact, you can find it on the Gospel Coalition website. What's the title of it? It's something about... Uh, rescue from Dhamma? Yeah, Rescue from Afghanistan. Afghanistan, yeah. Okay, so this is a current podcast that's going on on the Gospel Coalition website of Christians in Afghanistan. So Muslim converts who have come to Christ in recent years and have their own fellowships and their own communities um, and are we're in the process of changing their official religious identification. Okay? We don't have that in the United States. For many countries in the world, you actually have what's your religion on your identity card. Mm-hmm. And so in a lot of countries, particularly Muslim countries, it's when you want to change from Muslim to Christian, it becomes the point of contention with the government. Okay? And so a lot of these Afghan Christians who become Christians, we don't want to be associated with Islam anymore, so they have gone into the process of officially changing on their identity card their religious affiliation. But then what happened? Taliban came back, right? So, who are the first ones that are going to be targeted? Okay? And so there's this dramatic story, was 120? 120 of them? Yeah, that changed the... 120 that changed their religion and were being pursued by the Taliban and how they were rescued and brought out of the country. Very dramatic... Hollywood type that's going on. You know, Jesus did say at times, flee. Right? At times he said it's okay to flee. At other times he said, stay and be persecuted. So wisdom is needed here. I'm glad they flee. But here's what attracted me about this story. The, there was one guy in the United Arab Emirates who was studying good theology. Uh, from teachers like R.C. Sproul and John MacArthur and uh, John Piper and these kind of men. He was learning good theology. And he'd get done. And he'd get on the phone. And he'd call back to Afghanistan. And he spent hours on the phone teaching these believers what he had been learning himself that day. Immediately sharing this good theology. Okay? And growing in the faith. So they're being grounded in good theology. And then what happens when persecution comes, they have a foundation upon which to react with wisdom. Okay? Now, I'm going to step on some toes here, but I'm going to say it anyway. Imagine if they had been raised on Joyce Myers and Ken Copeland. Wow. Okay? They would have no foundation whatsoever to stand for the gospel. John says, avoid false teachers. Because theology matters. Okay? The title is Escape from Kabul. Slightly different. Escape from Kabul. Okay. okay. Same idea, but different words. So when I, when I think of my church, when I think of you, I think, look, I don't know where the culture is going, but I want the people to be ready to go sideways. Which means be ready to be persecuted, be ready to stand for righteousness, be ready to have a prison ministry if that's what God calls them to. Okay? Because we're willing to stand for righteousness. Good theology matters. God may spare us, God may deliver us, but He's also warned us in book after book after book after book teach the truth, walk in the truth, walk in love, watch over one another, and here, get rid of bad teachers. Okay? I don't despise anyone, but I do not like false teaching. Because I know it's not ultimately just damaging, it is eternally dangerous for those who fall into this way. Okay? Let me step on toes. Okay? Um, isn't it better if you just said, and I, I can, you know, isn't it better 
you said that you let the Jehovah's Witness in, and you're much better at it than the rest of us, right? Yeah. And you can handle it. Yeah. But isn't it much better to, to say, don't let them in, because maybe you don't know what you're doing. Well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't tell anyone that just became a believer, say, let them in and preach the gospel. No. Even not just a yeah. believer. How yeah. good are we at And so it's almost better to say, don't then, let them in. But then why do we... Why do we ever engage in evangelism at all? Because we're never going to be perfect in our presentation, our understanding. Yeah, but, but we are to be proclaimed. If the, if the ones, if we have a, a statement that lets talks to any one of us, that yeah. says, go ahead and let them in and witness to them, and they win us off by them being better than them. So that's that's a hypothetical, okay? So is it. It, it could happen. So is it. Yeah. So, but here the specific context is the church, right? So, how we want to apply that to our private lives may look different for each person, okay? It may be that, no, don't let them in at all. Then there's sometimes like, I don't have time right now, thank you. If you want to come back later, we'll have a chance to sit down and talk, or you read New Testament. And usually that's enough to scare them off, because they know that they're not going to be able to open their New Testament and have a conversation, because they don't understand it. And then I would, it's just to let them know that I know where they're going with it. So it's not like every time. And I worked with Muslims all the time. I constantly had coffee and, and engagements with Muslims. Yeah, but you're good at it. Well, that was my calling, yes. Okay. Not so, all of us have that calling. No. And it's all about guarding the flock. Okay. Yeah. I've had people in that situation who would then invite them back, but also invite a friend who was more equipped yeah. than them to, you know. When? Engage with them, with you, yeah. You use someone like you can say it's just it's a wisdom issue. It's a wisdom issue. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's really I I hear your heart. And if, if there's ever a concern, just politely close the door. Say just go on your way. And and that's okay. But we do want them to be saved as well. We but it's it's, it, it's boy, it's his. God will not be happy with you if you you don't do it right. Yes. That's why we don't give the pulpit. We don't be in church ministries. We don't invite them in. Yet. You don't let them in your house. <laughs> so, do Jehovah's Witnesses believe in prayer? Because if they do, we could ask them to pray and ask God to pray. You know, I, I think oftentimes they will say, no, it's okay, because they only want to pray in the name of Jehovah. And so we want to pray in the name of Jesus. So they may deny it. Something about Muslims. Muslims never turn down a prayer. I have to pray for them. Now, I always pray clearly in the name of Jesus, who alone facilitates the prayers of God. And I'm preaching the gospel to word of prayers. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. I just wanted to say more about uh, who qualifies being a false teacher. You have those that uh, you named, some people are always uh, Kenneth Copeland, that one you named. Right. There's Kenneth Copeland, and there's people who are sensitive or more. Uh, kind of uh, maybe think he's got some good ideas. They, they're not Kenneth Copeland, but I think he has good ideas. Uh, they're not convinced, maybe, but they're persuaded. Uh, are, talking are, they, are they a false teacher? Who are we talking about? I'm talking about, talking about avoiding false teachers. I'm asking about, talk more about who qualifies a false teacher. You know that your definition is Kenneth Copeland, but what about some of uh, someone that might be um, the false teacher, someone who... Uh, uh, is currently been listening to him and uh, likes some of his ideas, but he's not really. He's not kind of hopeless, but he's he's uh, so and this idea of not receiving into your house. There are people with mixed up ideas. They're not really they're yes. not really false teachers. They're mixed up on ideas. And, so that's uh, you know that's why we take it. That's why we take the whole counsel of God, hmm. right? We interpret verses in their context, in their book, and the context of the New Testament, the context of the Bible. So, John, he gave us 13 verses. So he's not going to be able to spell out the nature of every false teacher in 13 verses. But he was the one that was used to record the Gospel of John. He is the one that did the Gospel, uh, the book of the Revelation. He did First John, where he clearly explained who are the false teachers, what they believe. And it always comes down to a denial of something fundamental about God, the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ, the Gospel, uh, the, the nature of salvation. And if they get that wrong, they're a false teacher. 
They may teach other good, fine, wonderful things about how to manage a home or how to manage money or all these things. But if they get those fundamental cardinal doctrines wrong about the gospel, about the Godhead, about Trinity, about Christ, they're false teacher, according to 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John. So we have to focus on the main and plain things. <clears throat> Just uh, kind of you know, looking at the instruction to us, if someone qualifies the false teacher, do not receive him. Yeah. And uh, do not give him any greeting. So once we we make the determination, and, who is the false teacher? And what was the instruction to us? And what was the context of that day? The context of that day was we didn't have satellite, we didn't have public uh, transportation, we didn't have you know televisions. Teachers would just go from place to place. And if they received a welcome, whoever was in that place was expected to take care of them, house them, feed them, provide for their ministry. Okay, that's the context, hospitality. And Paul talks about that, how he experienced hospitality. So the context is one of don't enable someone in their ministry. Don't give them favor, don't give them the right hand of fellowship, don't bless them, don't provide materially for their ministry, don't encourage their ministry in any way. It's really the larger cultural context of what's going on. In a culture where hospitality was critically important for survival, because when people would travel, they didn't have a hotel down the road they could save. So hospitality became an important part of survival. Don't enable the ministry of someone who's bringing falsehood. It's really the overall concept. So I would, so just to follow up, I would say then that um, Kenneth Copeland is the false teacher. You may have people who are mixed up that under him, but they're really not. They're mixed up by him. They're not like I'm going to receive some of these people that make them in our church door. They're mixed up by some people. They're not Kenneth Copeland, but they're mixed up by. Some. So they need to be like uh, they need to have a um, Ananias and Sapphira to come alongside them to properly teach them the way of truth. Which is what Ananias and Sapphira did with Apollos, who actually was basically teaching truth, but incomplete. They came alongside and gently instructed him in better in the way. So that's why we use the whole counsel of God. But we don't allow the, the grand names to use our platform. You know, there's a number of years ago in the church we were in in Senegal, we publicly stated we will not work with particularly evangelist that was involved in, as he said, a campaign of miracles. And most of it was deception. And we just said we publicly will not identify with it, and we, we couldn't keep him out of the country, but we would not allow our church to be affiliated with it. That's kind of the idea, the spirit of what happens. We're not the, not the gatekeeper of the entire culture, but I can be the gatekeeper of the church. Yeah. Is there some place we can go, a book or a magazine article or a website or something, where we can find out um, who's wrong and what they believe? Because I don't know anything about, I, I don't follow her at all, but I don't know like what Joyce Myers believes or Benny Hinn or Kenneth Copeland. I don't know where they're wrong. And some people I know that say, oh, I like them, and not, but I don't know. Yeah. Well, there's a number of different sites you can go to. Um, part of it is just being grounded in good theology yourself. Um, if you want, we can formulate a list of sites that are helpful uh, to, to find good information so that you can go and look and read up on these different people. Um, uh, you know, anything by Crossway Publishers, uh, Good News, uh, not Good News, um, Christian Focus, um, Presbyterian Reform Publishing, um, there's a number of different publishers that publish good things, but you're looking more for articles, blog posts, things like that. Um, Tim Challies is a good place to go. Uh, the Gospel Coalition website has lots of articles and lots of doctoral issues. That's a good place to go. Um, On YouTube, there's a lot of videos, and we watch that expose them. But you have to know where to go. Yeah, but like WikiLeaks, so... No, Reformed Wiki. Reformed yeah. Wiki is a... Is a uh, <laughs> Guy that puts up videos to expose false teachers, about eight to ten minute videos. Um, <laughs> there's a whole bunch of them. Bobby Balkan is a faithful source of truth if you go and read on him. Justin um, Peters, if you're looking for someone who focuses more directly. Justin Peters exposes these prosperity preachers. He's really good on his website. Don't write some down. Um, 
Um, there's just a lot of good offers that are out there. We're privileged to have these kind of teachers out there. Yeah. So when I was growing up, we just used the scripture. And now, like, when you see all this literature that's out there, like, like you say, a lot of the literature is false teachers. So I would just recommend doing the scripture. Yeah, Dr. Pan, I can barely read them. So you're right. Yeah, it says when they come to you to spread their gospel. It's just. Amen. When they come. Teachers, false teachers. But this is what you should be. Yes. And it's coming to your house or the church. Somebody that they can come having met Benny Hinn or any of that. Yeah. Them, right. But when they start teaching it. Then you put the kibosh to Well, of course, because now you're dealing with the spiritual being of the flock. So if you want to know about Benny Hinn, read about read from his nephew, Kosti Hinn, who talks about what it was like to live in the prosperity gospel and all of the extravagance and corruption that was involved in all of that. And then he was delivered out of it and has a great Bible preaching ministry, pastoring a church every in Arizona. What's his name? And he exposes a lot of these errors of these folks. Um, Justin Peters is a good one. Who just he, he, he actually lets them speak and then analyzes what they're saying to show where they're in error. So you get a chance to say, well, I get right from the mouth of so-and-so. And he exposes them. Because we are warned that they're there. Okay, And they make extravagant amounts of money. Um, and it's not wrong to make money, it's wrong to fleece the sheep of God to get you money. Right? Mm-hmm. We all appreciate that. We went to see him once, Did you have to take, you know, you know, the problem with that kind of thing is, where do you take a shower from your soul when you there get you out? There you go. I mean, all the white, everything's white, it's just fleecing the flock. Yeah. Or the And it's. And they're very good at it. And it's harming, well, it's a show. That's what it was. Yeah. It's harming a lot of folks. So they like to show on TV all these people, but what they don't tell you is nobody that had real disease actually went forward for healing. They were all interviewed. It was all secretly recorded. There was some people that have psychosomatic things. I came with a headache. Okay, come up here. Uh, they're shaking around. You have a headache. No, I feel pretty good. Uh, not, no, no authentic ministry actually going on. Okay? But the money's flowing in. Okay. Well, there any others? Oh, there'll be a lot more. But this, if you if you start there, you'll you'll <laughs> yeah, you'll do okay. So, Jim, with your bidding, let's go ahead and move to Third John because that's going to cover a lot of the same ideas. Okay. So we have uh, the hidden language of election in Second John because we have the elect lady and then we have the elect sister, verse thirteen, which is probably another sister church. And then we have clear commands for believers not to entertain false teachers. And as Jim has helped us, the key verse, everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. John plays for keeps. Stay in the truth. And if you abide in the truth, you're secure. You go outside of it, that we need to hear the warning that's in there. Okay, let's go on to third job. Oh, you think I changed the slides? I think it ran out of that particular presentation. So we have three three books left. Third epistle of John, book of Jude, and book of Revelation. Can you help me pass out the notes for third John? So let me start looking at the third John. I mentioned this whole idea already of the traveling missionaries, the traveling teachers. This is a very common thing. And oftentimes, if a Bible teacher was moving from one city to the other, he would bring a letter of recommendation so that when he arrived, he could present the letter from pastor and elder so-and-so and such and such a church so that he would be received. 
And it was expected then that churches who are receiving a true believer, a true teacher, would take care of them while they're in that city. Now it's interesting that in our time in West Africa, um, that was still a common practice when Christians, let's say because of the job or education or whatever, would leave one area, they would take a letter from their church. And they went to the new town, it was a letter they would present to the church asking to be received in the fellowship. Now I know. I know those letters can be manipulated. I know that you still have to do due diligence. But there's something healthy about that practice. One of our longtime uh, elders recently moved out of the area, settled into a new area, and had his new church contact us asking for a letter of referral and recommendation, which we gladly gave. Because that's what churches should do. If you find out who's coming in their midst, what's the background that they've come from, so that you're not just inheriting somebody else's discarded problem. <laughs> Which, sadly, does happen. Okay? So, 3 John, they would carry these letter of recommendations, and 3 John is just such a letter, okay? Uh, uh, teachers that are going out, okay? John, he's writing this letter to just one individual. Okay? To Gates. Or values and degree. Okay? In my love and the truth. Um, it, it, in some ways, it's like a twin letter to 2 John. But they're not identical twins. They're more like fraternal twins. They have similar ideas, but not, not exactly such. Okay? So... The letter goes out to receive how missionaries that are coming through. But there was a certain man. Verse 9. Theotrephes, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. Okay? So there's one in the church that's trying to block the church from receiving these missionaries, teachers that John has sent out, the church has sent out. Verse 10, so if I come, I will bring up what he is doing, talking wicked nonsense against us. Not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers and also stops to those who want to and puts them out of the church. So it's almost like the opposite of John, 2 John is, don't receive the false teachers at all. In 3 John, we have someone that's trying to keep the good teachers out and is even punishing the believers for doing so. So see, it's the... The opposite of what they're supposed to do. They're supposed to receive the good teachers and show them hospitality, and they're not to allow the other ones to come in. So I like how the Bible, one way or the other, just covers all kinds of issues. And so there's Theotrephes who is causing trouble. Okay? So John, and as he writes this letter, just a few verses, has a message for three different men. Message for Gaius, giving him a greeting, sending him a blessing, telling him to be faithful. Verses uh, yeah, 5, 6, 7, 8. Be faithful in what you're doing. Practice hospitality. Keep on keeping on. But then he warns Diotrephes. He's saying Diotrephes is wrong. He's hindering the fellowship. He's hindering the propagation of the gospel. John's going to punish him when he comes. And then he has encouragement to Demetrius. Keeping a relationship with Gaius. He's loved by all. Okay? Demetrius said we served to get good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself. We also had our testimony, and you know that our testimony is true. So, a very practical message, writing, saying, look, let the good teachers in. After another one that he wrote, saying, keep the bad teachers out. So comprehensive wisdom for how to handle the church. And then he gives his outline, which is a break of different sermons we might give. So what are the main themes of the book? Well, pretty straightforward. Take care of the brethren. Those that are going out that earn their living in the preaching of the gospel, take care of their needs while they're with you. Send them on their way to the next place with your blessing and provision. But don't do that with the false teachers. So you see why we need a community of saints? You see why we need the wisdom that comes from being in the church? Good doctrine so that the church is recognizing those who are good teachers and those who are not. So they probably take care of the good teachers and dispatch and dispose of those who are not. Okay? 
And so then we have a very similar command um, of don't entertain, don't take care of those who are against what we teach. So these little short letters, John gives some actually really practical counsel based on deep theology of understanding who God is. Now there was a book that came out early in church history. It was called the Didache. It's from the Greek word called the teaching. So it was like the first catechism manual, the first church policy manual that came out at the end of the first century. And it talked about hospitality and how hospitality should be practiced and how Christians need to take care of one another but to do so in a correct way. So, <laughs> among other things, it says uh, an apostle or a messenger or a good teacher may come and say one or two days if necessary. If he says three days, he's a false prophet. <laughs> Why did they pick that? I'm not sure, but I think there was some abuse going on, perhaps. The freeloaders were going around, okay? Um, on departing, give him enough food to last his journey. So in other words, give him physical provision. But if he asks for money, he's a false prophet. This is all part of the church manual in the first century, the end of the first century, beginning of the second century. If the prophet, in quotation marks, speaking out of the inspiration of the Spirit, says, give me money, he is not to be heeded. Or listen to, unless the money is to be given to others. Not enough goes. There's nothing new under the sun. It's the same kinds of attitudes, the same kinds of things that come up, the same kind of wisdom that is needed. Take care of the saints, but don't enable false teaching. And that's a tough thing to try to, try to manage, okay? Um, Diotrephes moves against church authority. Demetrius moves with church authority. Obviously, we know which one promotes unity, which one promotes strength in the church. So, I know I'm not doing this quickly, but we have in 3 John a sharp contrast between how to practice hospitality. Don't practice hospitality for the false teachers, but make sure you do for the good. And in this personal letter, he's warning different men uh, and teaching different men how to respond to these difficult circumstances. And at least in a number of words, it seems to be the shortest book in the New Testament. That's just a little trivia question if you know, it comes up in your playing. What's the shortest book in the New Testament? You'll be in points if you say third John. Okay? Therefore, we ought to support people like these that we may be fellow workers for the truth. Again, we see the idea of fellowship. Do we fellowship or not? Well, it depends on the preaching of the gospel or not. How do we know it's the gospel? Are they talking about grace, mercy, love, truth, and peace? Are they upholding the full deity of Christ? Are they honoring God and all they do? Or are they looking to bring honor to themselves? Is their ministry other focused? Or is looking at bringing the gospel to people, taking care of their needs, and growing them in the faith? Or are they looking at building their own kingdom? Okay? And we see the difference. We see the difference. Alright? We blaze through a lot of material in a short period of time. Okay? But since they're short enough books, it's easy for you to go ahead and reread them this afternoon. Meditate on what we've been thinking about. And then ask God to give us wisdom that we know how to live and apply them out in, in our local church situation. The Evangelical Free Church of Orville, I, I, just, uh, I just love this church. We love the Word of God. Because we love the Word of God, then we can count on the fact that if we teach the Word of God, we can expect it to take root in the hearts of people that hear and then begin to apply and then as a community, because as individuals we're going deeper in the Word, then as a community we can go deeper in the Word. And I'm so glad that that is the emphasis that we have here. Uh, it's critical. More and more so as we see just all kinds of goofy things happening in a larger culture. The only way we're going to stand firm is if we're grounded in the Word. But thankfully we can't be grounded in the Word. Now, just a comment about, and I appreciate the heart behind the question, yes, we have the word, so let's just read the word. So, so in a certain sense, I say, yes and amen. But it is that same word that also says, when God has given teachers and pastors to the church, 
so that they can help us to understand the Word. It's also true that we learn about God from creation, right? Romans 8 and uh, Romans 1 and Psalm 8. And so we can learn about creation and about God by just studying His creation as well. And so God the Holy Spirit has been working through the people of God for hundreds and thousands of years who have walked with God, learned from God, and written down some of their reflections and some of their observations and some of the things that they have learned. And as part of the communion of saints, we can learn from that as well. I wouldn't know a lot in the scriptures if I didn't have a better knowledge of geography, a better knowledge of history, a better knowledge of language, a better knowledge of logic and philosophy. Um, and yet, my conscience is bound to the word of God. It cannot go beyond what is written. But sometimes it is that general revelation of God through pastors, teachers, through scientists, doctors, through history that actually helps me to understand the Word of God. So the Spirit is exactly right. The Word and nothing but the Word. And that is the prism through which we see everything. But then God in His goodness will also allow us to learn things in other means so that we understand the Word better. Does that, does that make sense? I was leading, we had a, a contest for memorizing scripture. We all just took after it for the next year and just hide God's word in our heart. Because the more we hide God's word in our heart, the stronger we will be as people and as a church. Yeah. Could we add on it American gospel and people would know that's a good reason? Yes. If you come across the DVD called the American Gospel, watch it. It'll take some time. It's a three-hour game, but you can watch it, you know, 20 minutes at a time, a half hour at a time. And I think there are two of them. There are three. There are three now? American Gospel, the first one, Christ Alone, is like two and a half to three hours. You can borrow it from us, but I think you can find a shortened version online that's an hour on YouTube. Yeah. And I think Amy White also has a copy that she's willing to loan. American Gospel, Christ Alone, I showed it at my house to a few people. Somebody wanted to throw something at the TV because his uncle, him, was preaching heresy and she got so mad she was like, I wanted to throw something at the TV. It can be somewhat confusing just because they cut in like heresy and truth. But it's really well done. Study it, watch it with a group. Because that way then, what they do is they'll interview and they'll directly quote. They'll let the false teachers speak. And then they'll analyze. They'll let them speak and they'll analyze. And sometimes they take a little while to come back to where the error is. And, and the idea is to show the, the foundation, the background. So if you watch it with a group, then you can begin to discuss how do we discern truth from error. There's American Gospel 1, there's American Gospel 2. It uh, takes on liberal theology, and number 3, I don't know, I think... Liberal and progressive theology, I think, in number 2. And then I think there's a third one coming up. Can you just order them online? Yep, yeah, you can. You can order them. Did we get a couple of films on? I think so, but I just looked, I think you can find the one hour long. But the one hour video is available on YouTube. On YouTube. Who, who does that? Who produces that? So there's a whole list of, of Bible teachers that are behind it. Alistair Begg and uh, John MacArthur and um, I'm not going to remember all of them, but there's a whole list of Bible teachers that got together to produce these teaching documentaries. That's what it looks like. Okay. It does have an American flag. So, thank you for a vigorous conversation. May the Lord protect us to be good sheep, shepherds, a congregation that will watch over the truth and watch over each other. I believe that there are a lot more people, not to cast your heart, but I just believe there are a lot more people in the city of Orville that God wants to bring our way. And we need to be ready to receive them, to teach them, to share the gospel with them, to unfold them. Uh, as I drive around town, as you do, I see a spiritually starving place. And we have the bread of life. And we can point people to the bread. Father, we turn to you in the name of Jesus. We thank you that your word will go forth because you cannot fail. But Father, we are weak. 
We're limited. We need each other. Help us to identify error when we see it. Point it out and encourage one another to stay away from it. But where we see truth, help us to stand strong in it and build each other up in it. And may that love and truth and grace and mercy of the gospel overflow from our lives that we be the aroma of 